You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1271 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. In fact, this time of year, I have to tell you what time I'm recording this podcast. It's about 8.35 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, January 28th. And we are at less than 48 hours from the opening of free agency. So most of the podcast today will be me writing down some options for the Hawks that are really just kind of available. Try to touch on all of the available options within reason for Atlanta on the free agent market in particular. We'll give you some context as well as that, because obviously some of the trade stuff is more high profile at this point in time. There's all kinds of rumors floating out there. In fact, this is my fourth show of the week already. On two of the first three episodes, uh, I talked a little, at least a little bit about DeJounte Murray and all the rumors there. Uh, a little bit of an update here at the top of the podcast. I did a full roundup on Monday, but the only thing that was kind of new on Tuesday was that Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report was on Nate Duncan's podcast. I mentioned that he actually heard that John Collins could be back in the mix as part of a Spurs trade, possibly with maybe involving a third team, etc., and, uh, you know, a lot of the attention has been sort of pivoted to the Gallinari hypothetical that we discussed a little bit on Monday. The door is still open for that as well, from what I understand. But they have to raise the guaranteed money for Gallo by Wednesday to make some sort of deal with um, a Gallinari for Murray kind of swap. So all kinds of uh, indications there. But certainly at this point in time, nothing seems to be imminent. Of course, that could change in the next few minutes, even while I'm recording this podcast or after I record this podcast. I'm well aware of that at this point. But. No one has reported that's close. No one's reported that it's like, you know, almost there. And it seemed like, at least from Jake's reporting, that it's kind of been a little bit you know, sort of on again, off again. And also, as a reminder, I'm not sure if you have to uh, sort of hear this, but the Hawks are not the only suitor for DeJounte Murray. I know that's been the more widely discussed option for the Spurs at this point in time. But uh, with some of the reporting that I've heard from behind the scenes or even in front of the scenes is that there are other teams calling as well. And uh, they don't have to trade him right now either. Obviously, the Spurs could pivot in that direction. But uh, I, I, I kind of doubt that it's only a one-team race for uh, for Murray services at this point in time. So uh, interesting stuff along the way, and uh, we'll have uh, all kinds of, uh, you know, focus on that when we need to in the coming hours and days. From there, I want to get into most of this podcast about the free agent landscape and a couple of sort of housekeeping notes here at the top. Um, one of those things is not necessarily a free agent pursuit, but it's sort of in line with free agency. And that's a reminder and also sort of an overview at this point in time that DeAndre Hunter becomes extension eligible as soon as free agency opens. Um, basically, you know, that's sort of the, uh, again, that's, that's a Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern time deadline. It used to be July 1st. Now it's June 30th, the evening of. But, uh, you know, the extension talks can't start until then, technically. I'm sure they've been talking behind the scenes. And uh, as a spoiler alert, uh, tampering is not necessarily uh, cracked down on in the NBA world. You've seen a lot of that stuff right now. In fact, like Jalen Brunson, has basically already swung back and forth a few times, um, you know, tampering. Uh, I will just say that don't put your head in the sand. A lot of the stuff's already getting done, but officially you cannot make deals in free agency or make extension talks or negotiations or signings until the league year changes over. And Hunter is uh, obviously their extension candidate this year. Obviously in years past, the Hawks have had some sort of off and on success with, with, with extensions. John Collins did not sign one. Famously, Troy Young signed one last year that was sort of a no-brainer one that everyone kind of knew was going to get done for the absolute max. And then Kevin Hunter took a little while, but that actually got done as well. Um, they don't have to hurry. Anything with uh, with Hunter can be signed between 
basically when free agency opens on Thursday until mid-October. So they have, you know, three and a half months or so if they want to negotiate that out. Usually these deals get done either quickly in July or they get done near the extension deadline. Uh, not, that's not, of course, a, a, a rule that's written in stone. They could make it a, a, an extension deal with Hunter in August. I just think that, um, you know, usually going by history, it's going to be pretty quickly, you would imagine, also, and or it'll be probably a little bit later in the process. But uh, my stance, as always, if you're a new listener, uh, just to sort of run that down would be, you know, generally speaking, unless you are an absolute no-brainer max player, i.e. Trey Young, on the team side, I think the team should be cautious with extensions. Um, I think that basically you have to remember that you're taking on all the risk as you, if, if you are the team giving an extension out a year in advance. And in order to sort of make that trade-off, you need to be getting a pretty good deal to lock that player in with some upside in the future. Uh, just for example, I thought the Kevin Herter deal last year was a good deal for the Hawks. It was not an A-plus deal for the Hawks, but I think that Herter signed for cheap enough where it made some sense for the Hawks to do it. Um, if Hunter is going to ask for $20-plus million dollars a year, I personally would not, would not do that as the Hawks right now because I don't think he's proven enough at this point to actually command that. But if you're Hunter's side, you obviously want to ask for the moon and uh, you know sort of demand that because, honestly, if Hunter has a breakout season in year four, which is not a given, but it certainly could happen, he could be demanding $100 million next summer because of the position that he plays, the uh, the skill set that he that he potentially presents at 6'8 as a uh, sort of a two-way forward. There's a lot of upside there, and the Hawks probably know that as well. So uh, it will not – but also as a salary cap note, it will not impact this year's salary cap no matter what. Famously, last year, Trey signed the extension, but his deal does not kick in until the this coming season. And then, of course, that got bumped up with the uh, Supermax as well because he made All-NBA. But there was some reporting out there that the Hawks want to get it done with Hunter. I'm sure they want to if they can. Uh, I will be interested to see if they can find a middle ground between where I think the Hawks might be trying to land in a more bargain range uh, versus where Hunter is looking. But uh, a very interesting negotiation for a former top five pick is a pretty high cap hold. And also you know, had that one flash two years ago where he was awesome for about a month. But other than that, it's been a little bit a little bit of a mixed bag. I and mean, you know, famously, I was pretty low on the way that Hunter actually played on the floor as, in his third season. But still, I think that there is a lot of untapped potential there. And if he can stay healthy and put it all together, he could be a, a sort of a near-max kind of guy with the way the market is looking because that's just kind of what those guys cost. Mikhail Bridges, et cetera, as pretty, pretty recent, recent examples. So uh, why don't we say that out loud? That is the non-free agency thing to watch in the coming days and hours, but uh, certainly something to keep an eye on because – uh, Hunter could upstage everything else, you know, clearly not quite as sexy of a, of a notion because he's already on the team as stuff like DeJounte Murray. But Hunter, that's a pretty big deal in terms of stuff to keep an eye out for in the next week or so. OK, uh, before we get into some other topics, uh, I will just run down quickly some of the big swings. In fact, one of the ones I'm going to go to right now is sort of the one that we've already talked about a lot on the show. So I'm going to kind of do, keep this a little bit short. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is a guy the Hawks can go out and get in a sign and trade, but they, they do not have the capital to sign him in free agency. We're going to go through the entire salary cap stuff in a second. But basically, the simple version is that the Hawks do not have cap space. The Hawks have some exceptions, but anybody that's going to be making more than the mid-level exception, the Hawks cannot just sign outright in their current position. So Ayton has to be a trade. And, uh, you know, it's Obviously, pretty straight ahead in some respects, but there's some salary matching stuff that I'm not going to go all the way into. Talked about Aiden quite a bit in the last couple of weeks and months, but a former number one overall pick, obviously, he'll be 24 years old pretty soon. All signs point to him being very available from the Suns. He'd be a very interesting fit with the Hawks. Clearly, uh, you know, the Hawks have some pretty strong center play already with Capella and Okongwu, but Aiden is already a good player on both ends of the floor. He's a little bit frustrating on offense at times, defensively, still pretty good, if not like. I would say totally dominant defensively. He's just pretty good. Not bad, but good. Um, I think he's a possibility for sure. 
and there's a lot of room to grow there. Is obviously a very, very talented player in a lot of different ways. I think Chris Kirshner reported recently that the Hawks will not be necessarily interested in offering the full max to Aiden. And honestly, I think that paying the full max for DeAndre Aiden and, I want to say crucially, and including good players and or draft picks and a sign and trade to get him is not great value. Does that mean, does it mean you shouldn't do it? No, not necessarily. I think that Aiton is someone who has the upside where it does make some sense to pursue him. But the combination of a full max plus assets is probably an overpay in a vacuum for DeAndre Aiton. But still, a bet on Aiton is more of a bet for the future in a lot of ways because, yes, he's good. He's already good right now. Don't, don't get me wrong. But right now, he's not an absolute dominant, you know, number one kind of player. He's a more like a top 40-ish guy in the league, something like that. Whereas, like, if if he makes the next leap and becomes an all-NBA kind of center, then obviously you're cooking with gas at that point in time. But the big thing is that he's signed, he'd be signed long-term, and he's so young. You know, 23 years old, be 24 years old soon, but you're getting his entire prime if you go ahead and pull that kind of deal off, and that would be a huge X factor in a potential pursuit of DeAndre Ayton. But clearly he's the number one guy in terms of, like, visibility and guy that's been talked about as a free agent target, uh, again, via sign-and-trade. For the Hawks, I want to sort of start with him, and we'll come back to other guys in a moment. Before we get to all of that, though, including a big name that I've not heard really anything about that's at least a possibility, maybe, in the future, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. And the auto world has been making some policies days. It's actually impossible for local chain stores to all the car or truck parts that you actually need for your automobile. But even if they had them, you actually want to do all the people behind the counter. They want to say what they want to sell you. It's in their best interest to have a commission or whatever's in their warehouse, etc. Instead, do what's best for you, the actual consumer. And the best thing to do if you're the consumer is check out rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. It's a much better option overall. Why spend more for the exact same auto parts from a chain store or a dealership when you order them at, online at rockauto.com? It's a family business that's serving customers for more than 20 years at this point. And Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for each and every customer. And they have absolutely everything you could possibly want for your car or your truck. That includes brake parts and motor oil, tail lamps, even carpet. Check out the website right now at rockauto.com. Today, see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And when you get there, write locked on in the box to ask you how you heard about rockauto.com so you can tell them that we sent you their way. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, and before we get into the more nuts and bolts portion of the podcast with some guys who are available for less than the mid-level or for the mid-level and just kind of what the cap situation is for Atlanta with, again, less than 48 hours until free agency actually begins, I want to at least mention a guy that I've meant to mention before that really hasn't been talked about a lot for the Hawks, and with good reason. I do understand why you wouldn't talk about him. That player is Miles Bridges. Um, Miles Bridges is kind of similar to DeAndre Ayton in that he will definitely command a lot of money and the Hawks don't have a lot of money in cap space, but there are sudden trade possibilities. And I'm honestly surprised that no one's even mentioned Bridges as a potential guy. Uh, for one, he's a clutch client, which of course Troy Young is as well. There's a there's sort of that connection. Uh, he's a very you know, sort of in, intriguing young two-way forward um, with a lot of upside who play, pair well with Trey in a lot of ways. I think part of that is that people are just going to assume he'll stay in Charlotte. And even today uh, on Tuesday, Mitch Kupchak, their decision maker up, up there with the Hornets, all but said that they're, that they're planning on keeping him. So we'll see on that. But there was some buzz out there that they don't want to necessarily pay him the max, et cetera. I think he's at least kind of a fringe guy. I am not saying this is going to be happening. In fact, I would say it's very unlikely to happen. But I think I just wanted to say out loud that Bridges was has a lot of the same characteristics of DeAndre Ayton, uh, obviously different players, but in terms of the situation. I think that you probably takes like the max or close to it in a sign and trade to get him. But the Hawks have interesting stuff they can send back. Similarly to Phoenix, where Phoenix might want Capella or Collins or whatever, the Hornets might want Capella. The Hornets might want Collins. The Hornets might want Kevin Herter, uh, something like that. So they have pieces to send back. They have assets to send back. And honestly, you know, Bridges is a 24-year-old forward with defensive tools. He just averaged 20 points a game on good efficiency with seven rebounds. He's a great athlete, et cetera. 
It'd be surprising to me if they actually pulled it off. But clearly, you know, I think it's something that you at least make make one call on. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you make one call on Bridges and just see what happens. And I have not talked about that at all. People asking me kind of on the periphery a couple of times in mailbag questions. But, uh, you know, in this format, I thought it was a perfect to address it now. Yes, I would make the call. Is it likely? Absolutely not. But it's not impossible in my mind. Okay. From there. Uh, I will just run down some numbers here for the, uh, I know there are uh, people that are paying attention now that don't always pay attention to the minutia of the NBA. It's definitely uh, sort of a fan season in terms of people jumping on the bandwagon. This is the crazy time of year. That's so much fun social media wise and you know coverage wise, et cetera. So I'm going to just lay out some salary cap stuff for you briefly to set the stage. For one, the Hawks have a lot of money committed for next season and beyond. Trey Young is now set to make $36.6 million for next season. And as a reminder, Trey making about six extra million per season because of the All-NBA selection does impact the Hawks' books, which we'll come back to. Uh, but Trey is at the top of the list. Uh, John Collins about $23.5 million for next year. Capella about $18.2 million. Bogdanovich for $18 million. Herter for $14.5 million. Hunter for almost ten, about $9.8. Akongu for $6.4. Uh, Jalen Johnson's at $2.8. And then A.J. Griffin, as a first-round pick with the slot that he is in, will be about $3.5 million for next season. Basically, that amounts to about $138 million in guaranteed salary right now. That includes, by the way, $5 million for Gallinari, who we talked about a lot recently, but Gallo has a $5 million guarantee on his deal that could change, could be waived, could be traded, et cetera. Right now, it's $5 million guaranteed, and that puts the Hawks about $11 million or so, that's not an exact number, below the luxury tax line with only nine players under contract. So if the Hawks were to go out and just sign minimum players to the, for the rest of the for the rest of their roster, they could stay out of the they could stay out of the tax by cutting Gallo and signing five minimums, six minimums. That isn't a great way to build your team, and honestly, that team is worse than it was last year. So that's tough. Um, obviously, not, 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 what, not, not what they want to do necessarily. But and by the way, also if they were to do the rumored Gallinari for Dejounte Murray swap, they'd already be above the tax line with ten guys on their roster. Now it's easier to swallow that with with, with Murray on the roster, but I think that as I've been saying for a while, a lot of this stuff comes down to willingness by ownership, Tony Wrestler and friends, to paying the luxury tax. We do not have the answer on that. I know he, I know what he said publicly. I know what I hear privately sometimes, and that's that the Hawks don't necessarily want to want to pay the cat want, want to pay the tax in the league. There is some skepticism that the Hawks will pay the tax this year. Uh, maybe if they were to make a big splash, they might be more willing to do that. But uh, we'll see is the answer at this point in time as to the Hawks' willingness to go over that tax line. Because as a reminder, going over the tax, not only do you have to pay the tax, you're not also receiving money back from teams that are actually paying the tax. And again, that's nine players on the roster. That does not include DeLon Wright, who is their backup guard, their best backup guard last year. That does not include another power forward option. You know, Obviously, with the roster as it is right now, it's Jalen Johnson is the only thing that's behind John Collins. Um, depth would be a concern, obviously. Um, and also, they can't exceed the cap to pay DeLon Wright. That's, we'll come back to that later on, but that's a, another sort of luxury tax kind of question. Um, and basically, they have, you know, if they were to, I'll say if they were to shed Gallinari's money to like Oklahoma City for nothing, they would have a little bit more, more flexibility. But um, the Hawks do have either the non taxpayer mid level exception, which is about 10 ish million dollars in year one. Or if they're over the tax line, they could pay the non-taxpayer mid-level about six and a half million year one. Those are the best ways for the Hawks to actually sign, not trade for, but sign a player in free agency that would help that that would help the roster. Uh, because the only guy that they could sign for more than the minimum is DeLon Wright, that's already on their roster without using it an exception. 
So I could go way deeper on this, but basically the Hawks are already committed a ton to this roster money-wise, and they cannot just go spend. Uh, I know that not everyone wants to dive into the salary cap. Minutia, I totally understand that, but keep that in mind. If you see people talking about guys that they just cannot realistically sign up, to try to tr- at least try to point that out. The Hawks have to be realistic with signings. Trades are different. You can kind of do whatever you want, have to do in terms of ma- you have to match salary, but signings, you only have the options that you actually have when it comes to actually signing players. So keep that all in mind as we go through this process. Um, okay, before we dive into a long list, by the way, of players, and I have a bunch of them to get into. In fact, I broke them down, down into sort of tiers, like guys who are going to be commanding the mid-level, guys who are not necessarily mid-level players, but more, the, more than the minimum, and then a bunch of minimum names at the end of the podcast, plus a little section uh, for DeLon Wright and maybe some former Hawks that I want to discuss on today's podcast. But get ready for a lot of names, a lot of people that might be kind of interesting coming up. But first, before I get to all that, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. The NBA draft is, of course, over at this point, but the madness continues in a big way with free agency on the horizon. Summer League is coming up in July, and 2023 projections are already flying around in the futures market across the basketball world. And with that in mind, Bet Online is a place to fire away on all the stuff in the futures side of things. Plus, Bet Online is the number one source for all your betting needs and information, both in the near future and always. Find all the latest odds, news, and developments across the sports world, including major events. MLB odds and scores, latest fights, and even next season's futures on the NBA, NFL, college ball, and college basketball. And even then, it's continuous sports ball, waging avenues like live betting, esports, poker, and a ton of casino games, and much more. And they have other sports in the mix as well. That includes tennis and golf and hockey, which just concluded, but always has future stuff as well. Auto racing, rugby, lacrosse, table tennis, horse racing, soccer, cricket, and entertainment bets, as well as any sport you can possibly think of. Bet online very likely has it. And head there right now to bet online on your field mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world. Bet online where the game starts. All right, but let's throw some names out there. Uh, these are again, this is not in any order other than just to group them together. I'm not reporting any interest on any of these guys. I might reference some interest that's already been reported by other people, but uh, this is just me throwing out some options for the Hawks that are free agents. I'm really trying to touch on a lot of guys who are at least kind of realistic potentially um, in this space. Um, this first group is the guys who are making. Um, much more than the minimum, most likely. And, to, and basically, these are guys that the Hawks can only sign without w- really going into tax unless they make a big move to, to shed salary elsewhere. But still, um, sort of the headliner in this group for me is Peter Tucker, who the Hawks have already had reported interest in um, up in New York. Uh, it seems unlikely the Hawks will actually be able to get him, but Miami and Philly are sort of in the mix there. At 37 years old, PJ is really an awesome playoff player at this point. Obviously pretty limited regular season-wise in some ways and pretty offensively not exactly the most exciting guy in the world. But Tucker is a great defender. He's what every team needs in the playoffs, that physical physicality, toughness. He was great against the Hawks in that series. I think it's unlikely to happen, but at least one of least say that out loud. Another guy that's um, different but also kind of similar in terms of what, what it might cost is Kyle Anderson from the Grizzlies. Um, he'll be 29 soon, and we would be a very logical mid-level exception target for me if they were to move on from Collins in particular because they, he actually played both forward spots, maybe start at the four. Um, he's a starting caliber player, honestly. He's a very weird player. He's very slow, but he's a super long guy, really good defender, sort of on and off the ball. Um, perimeter shooting-wise, not great, but a good passer. Knows, knows sort of how to play, and um, for me, he was probably the most logical guy if the Hawks had pulled off one of those like Collins for draft pick deals that they talked about at the, at the draft, because that would have made them a lot cheaper and give them more room to go out and get someone like Kyle Anderson. But one of the big questions all the way through and any Collins deal is like, okay, what do you do now at the four? Because Jalen Johnson, while his future is extremely bright, I think the Hawks do not want to have Jalen Johnson as their starting power forward for the beginning of next season. 
So there had to be sort of sort of sort of bridge guy there, whether it's going small or whatever. But more more talent before will be needed if they move off of Collins. I think Anderson would be a very logical target there. Um, TJ Warren on this list has only played four games in the last two seasons, and there's a chance that he's still not 100 healthy, which is why he's even on this list. Because honestly, he would have been a 20 plus million dollar a year player two years ago before he got hurt. That's how good he was playing. Um, obviously kind of a buy low flyer type if he's actually available, but a good shot creator when, he, when he's healthy, solid enough defender, and uh, maybe obviously has a relationship with Nate McMillan from Indiana, et cetera. Uh, Gary Payton II is on this list. He's actually 29 years old, which is way older than you might think, but an awesome defender, like genuinely maybe the best perimeter defender in the entire league. That's how good he is on defense. Um, made a lot of threes this year, 36%. That's actually quite solid, but offensively pretty limited player, but still – Defensively, there's a lot to like, and the Warriors, you know, sort of benefited from him in a lot of ways during the playoff run. Um, I think I don't think he's a guy that you would sign if you were also signed DeLon Wright because you don't want to have necessarily two of those like similar size, you know, shooting challenged, offensive challenged players. But I think Peyton in a specialist role would make a lot of sense for the Hawks. Uh, Gary Harris is on this list for me. He'll be 28 in September. Um, actually, probably younger than I thought he was going to be, but honestly, was a pretty high, pretty high end starter at the two for Denver. At times, more of a rotational player now, but a good theoretical fit for me next to Trey Young as a good defender. The trouble being that he's kind of a small-ish two-guard, and the Hawks already have Herter and Bogdanovich. But if they were to move on from one of those guys in some other trade, um, Harris finding his jump shot last year was pretty big, and he's a veteran presence, good defender, a guy that's always kind of fit well with what the Hawks wanted to do if he was available. But again, if they were, if they were, were to move on from Herter or Bogey, I think I'd be calling Gary Harris in a, a pretty pretty quick fashion. If I was Travis Schlenk, uh, Bruce Brown, different player in a lot of ways. I've always loved him, honestly, defensively. Um, a pretty cool role for him with Brooklyn the last couple of years as a kind of a big in some ways. This might be the fact that he's 6'5", but a good perimeter defender, um, good finisher around the rim, great floater game. Shot well from three last year, actually. It's kind of surprisingly pretty small volume, but a shooting um, development for him is good to see. Kind of a weird fit on a team that has a traditional center like the Hawks do with Capella and even with the Kongwu as a non-shooter right now. But I think that Brown would be a guy who'd be very, very helpful in a lot of ways as a defender and someone who can attack the rim for the Hawks. Um, Victor Oladipo, a guy that the Hawks fans got to see up close and personal against Miami. Um, kind of a weird market for him, I think, at this point as a 30-year-old former All-Star. Some flashes, but offensively, it's been kind of a struggle efficiency-wise for the last few years. But defensively, he was pretty good in the playoffs. And uh, obviously, I kind of thought that he would come to Atlanta unless it was kind of uh, sort of a high-dollar offer for him. But um, he has some usage potential offensively. Got to be on the list of guys you always check in on. Um, Otto Porter Jr. is a really good natural fit in my mind. Uh, I was put with the Warriors this last year on that title-winning team. Only 29, which is crazy. Seems like he's like 35, but he's only 29, uh, but has been hurt a lot. Former top three pick in the draft. Missed like three years almost. Not in not in full, but majority of three straight years before this. Last year, he was actually really good in a smaller role for the Warriors. Um, pretty sort of a 3 and D kind of forward type. A little bit slower than he used to be defensively, but you know, a little bit also a little bit stronger potentially. Guard some fours, maybe even fake it against some fives. Always been a good shooter, good ball mover on offense. Just a really, really useful role player. A little bit limited athletically. But like in the Gallo plus role would be interesting for the Hawks, for sure. Um, obviously, also t- kind of a leader, tutor type for Jalen Johnson, um, you know, guy that I would definitely be calling. Uh, Pat Connaughton is someone I think will go back to Milwaukee, to be honest. But he opted out, so he's a free agent. I think he's like a starting caliber wing. I think he's underrated. 39% from three in the last two years, good defender, pretty good athlete. Um, full mid-level guy for me in a lot of ways. I think he'll be going back to Milwaukee, but I always wanted to mention his name. Um, at this point in time is sort of that in, in the full MLE kind of section. Now from there, and by the way, I purposely left off like all of these like pure centers and all of the pure point guards for the most part. Um, 
at least at least at this point, I can't imagine the Hawks using a ton of resources on either one of those things, barring other trades. So I kind of wanted to move on from there. But you know, keep that in mind. If the Hawks were to move on from Capella or Kongwu or you know, had nothing behind Trey, they have to get something at center. That's also worth just kind of acknowledging. But I want to pivot now to some guys who are not going to sign for the minimum, probably, but also are not worth like more than five million dollars a year. For instance, uh, I think Wes Matthews uh, will be 36 in October would be very useful. I think he just likes to play in Milwaukee. Like there was no reason why he needed to wait around for Milwaukee last year and play for a very cheap contract. He was actually quite good in the playoffs for the Bucks, but uh, I, can, I think he'll probably be going back there or retiring one of the two. Uh, Nemanja Bjelica, a uh, Warriors champion, but a 34-year-old big man. I know my friend Glenn Willis has talked about Bjelica as a potential Gallo replacement. If they want to have something that's like, kind of close to being Gallo without being Gallo and being a lot cheaper, I think Bielitsa would be a pretty useful guy in that route. A better defender than Gallo also. Not a great defender, but definitely better than Gallo. A little bit quicker on his feet, a little bit more stout defensively. Good shooter, good passer, is a veteran big man. Um, Daniel House has had a super weird career. Um, best known probably for getting kicked out of the bubble back when he was uh, with Houston. But a potential 3 and D guy is actually pretty good with Utah last year. And everybody needs those 3 and D kind of wing types. Derek Jones Jr. has always been an interesting Hawks target. Not a shooter, which kind of limits him a little bit with the Hawks compared to when he's playing with guys like Capella or Kongwu. But a really good defender, lanky, great athlete, of course, above the rim, but uh, kind of an interesting flyer type. Jeremy Lamb as a more like shooting guard-ish kind of wing if they were to move on from Herter Bogdanovich. A Norcross High School product, worth noting. A pretty good offensive player and has been a rotation guy in the league for like seven or eight years now. Um, Howell Neto is more of a backup point guard type, but can play a little bit. Um, in that role for pretty cheap if they were to not bring back DeLon Wright and didn't want to just hand the reins over to Sharif Cooper just yet in that role. And then maybe a flyer on Jarrett Culver as like a buy low guy, former lottery pick, obviously, in the DeAndre Hunter draft. Has not been good, um, full stop. I was wrong about him in the draft, but I think that there's still some talent there to sort of buy a low on potentially if you want to get him for a cheap deal that was team friendly. Um, then you have like kind of your DeLon Wright only tier because he's kind of has to be treated differently because of the bird rights that he has. Um, I am obviously, if you're a new listener, you might not notice, I love DeLon Wright. I'm in the tank for DeLon Wright. The Hawks can pay him whatever they want to to bring him back. Um, I don't think he's going to have like $10 million a year offers this time around, but I think he'll actually get more than the minimum from somebody, whereas the Hawks are not. Um, he is unrestricted. That's worth noting. I've seen some people just assuming he'll be back. I would not go that far. I think the Hawks should try to sign DeLon Wright, but he can leave if he wants to. There's no reason he cannot leave Atlanta. He absolutely can unilaterally leave. So you cannot just like write him in and pen on the roster. And I think that for me, though, anything reasonable from a price standpoint for DeLon Wright, you just pay it and keep him. Um, he can be useful as a backup point guard. He can be useful as a backup wing. He can play defense. He can pass. He can do all the little things to help you win basketball games. He shot the ball decently well in a small sample size this year. Um, I just love DeLon. He's a winning player. Uh, great, great, great locker room guy by all accounts as well. So I think that's a guy that everybody seems to love, and uh, I am on that camp as well. And if you can get him back for anything reasonable, I would go ahead and do that. Um, from there, before we get out of here, some minimum guys. I think they'll probably – maybe a little bit more than that, but probably just the minimum because um, of what the Hawks are at this point in time. Um, Juan Toscano Anderson from the Warriors. Um, not sure if you can trust his shooting, but a guy who plays hard, plays defense, and has decent size. It's like a 6'6 wing. Uh, Josh Kogi is a former local guy. Actually grew up in Gwinnett County, played at Shiloh High School. Georgia Tech product as well. He's played in like 250 games in the NBA almost, and he's still 23 years old. The problem is he can't shoot. And that, I understand that, but Okogi is a good defender and a guy you might want to just take a flyer on as a local guy. And I think if you could slide him in between like Trey and Herter or Trey and Bogey on offense, you can kind of hide the shooting a little bit. 
I would definitely keep an eye on him, especially at the minimum. That would be a good signing in my mind as the Hawks. P.J. Dozier was hurt last year, but was a rotation guy for the Nuggets a couple years ago. 25 years old, good athlete, guard a little bit. A bunch of former Hawks that I'll at least mention because they are noteworthy names, also because they might sign for the minimum and be kind of useful. Uh, these are in no order, but Kent Bazemore was not good with the Lakers last year. He might be kind of cooked at this point. That's definitely in play, but a guy who might be an interesting add as a potential two-way you know, backup backup wing kind of kind of type. DeAndre Bembry got hurt in March, actually had a pretty serious knee injury, so he's, he might be out for too long to consider signing him. But he was good last year, actually, kind of sneakily, kind of fixed his jump shot a little bit and has always been a good defender, so somebody to keep an eye on if he's able to play earlier in the season, uh, potentially maybe like by like December-ish. I'm not sure how the timeline is there. Tony Snell has not missed a free throw in more than three seasons. <laughs> I love Tony Snell. Uh, nothing exciting at all about Tony Snell. Tony Snell is like totally just fine, like 12th man type. But Tony Snell in the TLC role from last year would look just fine. Um, he's obviously a great shooter in a lot of ways, could guard it a little bit. Um, we'll be totally fine with him plugging, plugging that hole as a veteran on the roster. Uh, Paul Millsap is 37 now. He's kind of just a center at this point, but obviously on a vet minimum contract to kind of teach Kongwu, um, gives them, give them some, some leadership stuff, play in a pinch would not be a bad idea. And obviously he's a fantastic locker room guy dating back to Atlanta. So all of those guys, also Damian Lee uh, was a very brief hawk, but uh, could be a minimum kind of two-way wing type. He could shoot a little bit, et cetera. Always been kind of a smart player um, as well. Uh, elsewhere, non-Hawks division for now. We'll come back to a couple more guys later on. Uh, Javon Carter is uh, kind of a weird point guard size guy, but a great defender um, and a career 39% two-point shooter, which is really, really tough. But he can shoot and he can guard. Uh, that's the problem with Carter, obviously, is why he's not sort of high, high demand because he can't really get to the rim as they, as a small guard. But uh, a, a potentially useful role player. Eric Bledsoe, if he is bought out or cut, could be uh, sort of an interesting two-way backup guard type. James Johnson is more of a defensive kind of enforcer player at this point, but a veteran, 35-year-old, kind of brings some toughness, might be a minimum kind of addition. Austin Rivers, actually, I've always thought was underrated and has not been making a lot of, a lot of money recently, but like a pretty useful like fourth guard type with some shooting, some ball handling, some defense. Uh, Rodney Magruder, totally solid plug-and-play, like fifth wing type. Semi Ojale, I have a soft spot for his defense and his physicality, but he just he, he just can't shoot, which is a problem there. Um, Frank Nilakina is on a non-guarantee, but if Dallas were to move on from him, I would love that as a potential flyer fit. I've always liked his game. Um, my guy Solomon Hill, of course, a former Hawk, uh, is a free agent. I'm not sure if he's healthy just yet because, of course, he missed the rest of the season with New York. But I've been saying for a while that Solo or someone like Solo makes a lot of sense because he's just the leadership a- aspect, the voice in the locker room aspect. And also, they could have used Solomon Hill on the court last year as a sort of that big bruising combo forward defender. Obviously he's a little bit limited athletically and not a great shooter at this point, but certainly like a 14th man type that would be very, very good to have around. And then finally the guys from this year's team, uh, Kevin Knox, you know, maybe if they were to sign him for cheap, I wouldn't mind it. Um, you cannot offer him the qualifying offer in my mind. That's uh, way too much money for Kevin Knox, but if he's available for like the minimum, I wouldn't mind that. Um, Gorgie Jang, especially if they were to move on from one of the centers, but even if they don't, you probably want to have another center on the roster. Nate likes to have a third center around, and Gorgie for the minimum would be fine. Uh, I know he's not this like the, like the sexiest guy in the world, but Gorgie Jang is a totally fine minimum center, third center type, totally fine. And then TLC, similarly to Gorgie, another guy you want to have to play. He definitely played more than they thought he was going to have to play last year. He was, remember, he was on a non-guaranteed minimum a year ago. Um, but similarly to like guys like 
I don't know, Damian Lee, Rodney Magruder. He's on that same kind of level, uh, even Tony Snell, potentially. I think Snell's probably a little bit better than TLC, but uh, a perfectly adequate 14th man kind of you know depth wing that you hope doesn't have to play but might be able to play at this point in time. So I know that's a lot of names, but at this point, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what the Hawks actually do. The first dominoes could be trade-related when it comes to Jonte Murray or John Collins or stuff that we've not heard about at this point in time at all. But as of Thursday, all these guys are in play for free agency. The Hawks have to fill out the roster. Uh, as my final point here on the podcast, um, last year in particular, the Hawks did not have a ton of roster spots available. And yes, there are guys on the periphery of the Hawks roster right now that are not counting toward the cap at this moment that could be back. Like your Sharif Cooper, obviously, is a guy that the Hawks, I'm sure, will, be, will keep around on some level, but might be on a two-way, might be on the minimum, etc. Skylar Mays is kind of all sort, sort of lurking around the roster. Shawnee Brown on a two-way contract. They have Tyrese Martin, the second-round the second round pick that could be on a full deal or a two-way deal. So they have some bodies, but at minimum, the Hawks are going to have to sign some guys to fill out this roster, no matter what they do with Murray or something else. So... They have some spots to work with, and that's kind of why I'm listing out so many different guys on this podcast. But uh, there you go. That's my wide-ranging free agency preview. And if we have news on Jonathan Murray, I promise I will break in and record that record podcast as quickly as, quickly as possible because um, it's very interesting. Uh, one final reminder, Wednesday is a big day for Gallinari. That's his guarantee date. So if you're looking for stuff to keep an eye on on Wednesday and you know, beyond the free agency stuff, Gallo's final resolution will be quite intriguing and we'll have full coverage of that on Wednesday into Thursday. And then the madness begins on Thursday at 6 PM Eastern time. Okay. That's it for me on this podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or even YouTube on the video side. Please follow me on Twitter at BT roll and follow the show on Twitter at locked on Hawks. We'll see you all next time.